Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. Thank you, Matt. And we're here with Ray Gerard and my invisible friend, Matt Logeman. Your invisible friend? Yes. Where is your invisible friend? He's invisible. That's why he's my invisible <laughs> friend. And this is our... That, on- means, that means we can put words into his mouth. We can have him say whatever we want. That's right. And he will not complain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt, didn't you say thus and so? Yeah. Well, this is Third Saturday, and this is our ongoing series, Evangelization Moments. This is just three, including my invisible friend. So two and a half, two and three quarters. Lay Catholics talking about how we need, can, and do evangelize, because we are all baptized, and that is our calling to... And, And what could be better than to spread, you know, the knowledge and the word? Of Jesus. That's right. Uh, at the Ascension, our Lord gave the Great Commission and go out and preach the gospel to the whole world. He wasn't just saying, he said that to the apostles. He, he's talking to bishops and priests, but he's also talking to us. We all have that job. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things we do is we also try and t- walk away with some tools. How do we do it? What do we do? What have we done? And, and maybe that's the thing to do. One of the things we need to do, I think, is that when we're evangelizing others, we need to also evangelize ourselves. Can't can't do the can't do the former without doing the latter. Absolutely. You know, Mother Teresa says, "What do I? What do you do to change the world?" She said, "You know, there's a saint for goodness sakes, a living saint at the time," and she said, "I have to change myself," which means we have to study and and understand. Uh, so let me tell you a story. Oh, please. Stories are good. That's what Jesus did. If good enough for I him, love a good story. Good enough for me. So. I was listening to the scripture readings for the day, and it was Thursday last week. Uh, and Thursday, um, I guess these days we are uh, listening to, or listening to, the gospel proclaimed to us. We're listening out of the gospel of John. And have you ever you ever heard the gospel or a reading, and you say to yourself, what, 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 what did they just say? You know, my mind drifts sometime. And I, re- I remember, I, I thought, what? what Mine does what I'm listening to on this program. Huh? What? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, yours drifts fast. (laughs) It drifts really fast. So I thought, and what did he? What did? What did they say? And I'm driving, so I can't look it up. So then I, I looked up the reading and I read it again, and I thought, something, something isn't hitting me right here, you know. Uh, Anyway, so I went in early and I talked to one of my colleagues. He's Protestant. And I, I told him that. I said, I didn't quite catch the gospel, and I, I read it again. And he said to me exactly that. He says, were you just not listening? I'm like, uh, yeah, maybe. Could be. Yeah, but <laughs> it didn't, didn't quite ring true, you know. So, I, I mean, it, it, it just made me think, you know, something's not there. So I, I read it again, and I read it again. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> you read the same 
verse over and over, and you think, well, what? Oh, what? every time you, any, you can take any piece of Scripture, and you read it over and over, and you will see new things. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, because... Well, that's a whole other discipline, right? The Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina. We should talk about that. But let me, let me tell you the verse I'm talking about. It's John 3, this is the Gospel of John, verse 36. So let me just read it, and I'll read the relevant piece. The Father loves the Son and has given everything over to him. Whoever believes the Son, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God. Now, I thought, well, that wasn't an exact toggle switch, if you will. You know, something can be yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. you know, if you do this, then that yes or no, logical statements. Uh, you, you, but this didn't say believe in him and you have eternal life and not believe and you will not see life. It didn't say that. It said, if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. And then it says, but whoever disobeys him will not see life. Well, that's not, that's not an exact opposite. And I thought, well, what, what am I missing there? Is this the translation? So I, I was talking to my colleague, and he says, well, I have the King James. Let me tell you what the King James says. The King James says, whoever believeth in the Son shall have eternal life. Whoever persists in unbelief shall not. So they say, whoever believes versus whoever does not believe. Yes, exactly right. And I said to him, and honestly, well, you know, that makes more sense. I mean, it's a toggle switch. If you, if you do it, you get it. If you don't, you don't, right? But that's not what it said. So what I it's did... A, and the, the other version, I mean, the, the New American Bible version is basically, if you believe versus what? If you disobey? Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. And it is different. So I thought, is it the translation or is it the meaning that I'm trying to reconcile in my mind? Am I thinking... My overthinking it, right? Am I, am I overcooking the grits? Uh, so I went to, uh, do you know what Strong's words are? I've heard of Strong, but I don't know about Strong's words. So Strong is a, a scholar. What, um, uh, uh, oh boy, what's that word? A con concordance. You know what a concordance is? Yeah, I got one right here. What is a concordance? A concordance. For example, if you're dealing with the Diary of St. Faustina, it's something that tells you where you can find certain topics within, you know, a, a large book or a large work. Yeah. It, it you know, it, it shows you what's in Concord, you know, with other, you know, you know what, what, what citation is in Concord with what passage. Yeah. It, it, it's a basically a, a guide. A guide. I give lots of, or I'm, I'm deposed a lot. And at the end of my deposition, there's always... Uh, what I would call a concordance, because it shows every single word that I uttered in alphabetical order and what page it's on. Well, Strong did something similar in that he gave a word to each, he gave a number to each word, each Greek word in the Bible. So each each word in the Greek translation, he, right. gave, he gave a number. So each Greek word. Right. Okay. So I thought, given that I don't speak Greek, certainly not ancient Greek, I thought I would like to know what the Greeks said. So I looked up the word uh, in Strong's, uh, in the Strong Concordance for the verse where it had belief. And where it said belief, the word was word number 4100 sub E, 
And uh, Pistion, okay, I'm, I'm sure I'm P-I-S-T-E-U, long O-N. That is the word for believing. And in the King James, it said unbelief, right? So then I looked up the word that that is being used there. And the word there is, it's not word 4,100, 4, it's word... 544 sub E. It's an entirely different word. So what you're saying is if you go to the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation. Yep. uh, So the earliest translation, I mean, because from Greek, then it went into Latin, right? Yes. The earliest translation from the original uh, Hebrew was into Greek because what? I think think that was done for the purposes of people in Egypt— well, there's a spirit. But, I mean, so, the, the Jews were everywhere, so Greek right. was a common language. That, right, so all around, all around the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, so to take it out of the Hebrew, it went into the Greek. So the earliest translation out of the Hebrew that we have, if you go to that translation, what you're telling me is that you don't find unbelief, you found disobedience. Yeah, specifically not obeying. Okay. Disobey. Okay. And the word isn't even close. It's epithion, A P. E I T H long O N. It isn't so, even remotely close. So it makes it makes a big difference. So what you're talking about is, hey, on the one hand, if you believe, then you have eternal life. And on the other hand, if you and naturally we'd be tempted to say, well, if you don't believe. But what you're saying is the real translation is if you don't if you don't obey. So if you believe you have eternal life, and if you don't obey, then you I mean that's a big difference. I mean, it's, it's a huge it's difference. Almost, so obey, I mean, the, 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 the opposites are not obey and disobey. The opposites in this, in this passage are obey and, excuse me, are, are believe and disobey. Disobey. It's almost as if, then what? Having faith is the same as obedience. Right? Because of the opposite of, dis- of disobey. I mean, if you are saying, hey, if you have faith, you have eternal life. And if you don't obey... I mean, that, that's basically saying to have faith is to obey. That's, a, that's right. In other words, I think we have to see what is our Lord really— and here it is, am I overcooking the grits? Am I thinking it too much? But I think our Lord is saying more than an intellectual assent, right? More than just saying, I believe in the Son, right? Uh, I think in other passages— You have to obey. There's an importance to what you do. And it's the same thing as— it's in St. It's in James, uh, and it's elsewhere. It's this whole idea of what you do matters, and that if you have faith, you live the faith. And if you don't have faith, you don't live the faith. If you have faith and you have it throughout your soul, it's in your heart, it's in your mind, if it permeates, <coughs> if, if your faith in Christ permeates you to your very being, you can't help but obey. You have to obey. You have to, you have to imitate Christ. Right. Because otherwise, you really can't believe all of it. Right. right. I mean, that the message is so strong. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, in preparation for today's program, when you sent me that passage, I, I immediately thought of another passage, which um, is basically talking about the same thing from a different angle. Isn't that always interesting how you can go to you know, different parts of the Scripture and you find that they agree with you know they agree with It's like them. a miracle, right? It's yeah. almost like it's divinely inspired. It's almost, yeah, it's almost <laughs> like that it was inspired by the same, same person. Um, let's see. It says, this is from 
uh, the first letter of St. John. Well, okay, so you quoted from the Gospel of St. John, so I guess this makes sense. But anyways, um, the way he says, the way we may be sure that we know him is to keep his commandments. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep his commandments are liars, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God, is truly perfected in him. So what's interesting to me there, you know, you don't even know Christ unless you keep his commandments. You don't even really know him. That's a strong statement. Absolutely. And if you say, I know him, but you don't keep his commandments, he says, those who say, I know him, if you, if you, if you think you know him, but you don't imitate him, you don't follow the commandments, you then you don't have the truth in you. And, and then he follows it up and he says further, but if you do keep his word, if you do keep those commandments, then not only is there the love of God in you, not only do you have the love of God in you, because that's really what it all is, it's all about the love, but it's perfected in you. Right. You are then an extension of, of Christ. You are doing what this program says we need to do. You evangelize, right. and you evangelize in the best way possible. You evangelize by example. If you have the love of God in you, and you're perfecting it, I mean, God, you know, that's another—you talked about passages in the Bible that don't match up. How about that part of the Bible— that says, you know, God is, you know, I, you know, we fill in, you know, uh, you know, for the the, un, the work that Christ didn't do, right? We we we've, we've Colossians we've, one twenty four. Very good. It um, said, uh, Paul says, I rejoice in the suffering of my body because it, for, for my, you know, I rejoice in the suffering of my body for the benefit of you, the church, because it makes up what is lacking in Christ. That is really good. I'm I'm proud of you. Um, what am I doing here sitting with you? Because I, 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 I couldn't do <laughs> Wait, that. No, you remembered it. That's I, good. I, I couldn't do that. But, you know, that's another one of those passages that's hard to fathom. It's it hard is. To, it's hard to grasp. What is he talking about? But then here it is where, you know, John's talking about it. It's perfected. And, of course, Christ's work cannot be complete unless his body, the members of the church— live as he wants us to live. If we evangelize, we said at the beginning of this program, we have to go out there and we have to evangelize. Yeah. That's how you do it. You, li- you, 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 know, you, you have that love in you because you know him because you obey his commandments. Right, Ray, and I, you said so much there, and I want to go back to it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on something you said. It, it isn't that our Lord's work is, could not be complete, it's more profound. He decided it will not be complete because he wants us to participate. He has left us a piece to participate with him. It, 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 he really does want us to participate in his ministry. He's inviting us to do so. This is St. Joseph Evangelization Network. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, this program. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're here with Ray Gerard and my invisible friend, Matt Lagerman. And we are talking, this is our ongoing series of Matt, evangel- Matt, Matt, by the way, just said yes. He just agreed with everything we said. I know. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah. This is our ongoing series, Evangelization Moments. And we're talking about obeying and believing or believing and disobeying. And, you know, part of what we're doing here is we're, or where I'm overcooking the grits maybe, is we're, we're looking at the language. We are, to some extent, burdened 
by the English language. You're a lawyer. You, you speak in Latin all the time, right? Uh, you speak, you know, uh, corpus delicti and uh, habeas corpus and um, um, all kinds of different I, things. I speak pig Latin really good. Yeah. But one thing you said is no, you know, knowing the Lord, if you will. Well, one thing you but, just, I'm sorry, uh, if I may, um, I don't want to let this pass because I thought what you said was really important. You said, you know, Christ's work is lacking because he wills it to be lacking. Yes. And, I mean, that's that's amazing um, because it goes to the whole concept, of, which, which goes to another doctrine, um, and that one that one is free will. We're talking right. about how obedience is important. Well, here's another one, free will. If, in fact, I mean, he wills it to be lacking. He wills it such that we need to then decide for ourselves to believe in him, to follow his, his, his commandments, to obey him, and to evangelize. He wills that basically we then do these things. And we do these things because we also are given that same special privilege that he has, the ability to decide for ourselves. If we didn't have, I mean, what, what was his, you said he wills it. What if he didn't will it? Then what? Then it wouldn't happen. Well, or, you know, we just, we just do it automatically, right? And what would be the value of that? It goes to show the whole value and the worth of this gift that we have of free will. It's required, right? You cannot love someone if you do not have the freedom to reject them. And that is what our Lord has preserved. He wants us to love him, but you cannot truly love someone unless you have the free will to reject them. The other word you used, which I really like, is to know Jesus. So I'll go to Matthew 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the king kingdom of heaven. What, what happened about belief, right? But only those who does the will of my Father. There you go. Same thing. Same it's idea. Same, same idea. So let's talk about that word, to know someone. You know, again, we're burdened by the English language. If we were speaking in Italian or French or Portuguese or a, a, one of the romantic languages, there's actually two words for know. There's saber, which means to know a fact. Right, I know Jesus is the Son of God. And there's conocer. So if I say I know how to to get to a restaurant, I would say, yo sabe, right? I know how to get there. It's a fact. If I were to say I know the restaurant, I would say conozco, yo conozco. I know it. If I were to say I know that you're a lawyer, I would say yo sabe, that you are a lawyer, sabe. But if I would say I know Ray, I would say yo conozco right? There's a difference in the knowing and the believing, if you will, the knowing and the really making it part of you. When I say, I know Ray, I, I know you as a person, right? That's where the obedience comes in, right? That's where the obedience comes in. It's, it's a much stronger form of just having faith. Right, right. You mentioned it's, James, too. I hardly want that to pass. What we're, you, you said, and you're right, that the Bible is so integrated. It all makes sense. It all flows together. But there is one place in the Bible where it talks about being saved by faith alone. There is one, and it is in James. And it's preceded by the word not. It <laughs> says, you, we are not saved by faith alone. So given that, when we start looking at all these other verses and, and those that are you're bringing up, it's it's congruous, right? It isn't just the mental uh, ascent of acknowledging that Jesus is God. It is us living the life, being obedient. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I came across um, that uh, passage that I, that I just quoted, because um, it came from uh, a mass earlier this week. Uh, no, actually, it's, it's, coming, it's for this coming Sunday. Anyways, um, I was just reading it earlier this week. Um, you know, it struck me. Um, and maybe, you know, uh, this is the same sort of thing you were experiencing. You, you, know, you hear a passage from Scripture, and you're like, whoa, whoa, back up. What does that really mean? That phrase, to know him, to know Jesus. I mean, Jesus is, I mean, who, who among us can know him, right? I mean, he's such a, he's such a mystery beyond our comprehension entirely. But, of course, if anybody does sort of know him, it would be the saints. Mm-hmm. And so I turned to St. Alphonsus uh, de Ligori, and um, he writes this. He says, he was offered, Christ was offered on the cross. He was, off, was offered because it was his own will. And his eternal Father caused him to die upon the cross to save us miserable sinners. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Um, and uh, then he continues. Um, he says, And what return of gratitude shall I then make to thee? Thou hast done so much to oblige me to love thee. And then he talks about, Sinner though I am, uh, I give thee my own life. Yes, I will at least spend that entire period of my life that remains to me only in loving thee, obeying thee, and pleasing thee. Now, there's a lot wrapped up in this one little reading, but it starts with, you know, Christ on the cross. Christ willed himself uh, to be sacrificed on the cross. The Father willed him. Uh, that, um, And it's interesting. He was offered, offered by the Father because it was it was the will of Jesus. So it's 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 kind of interesting. I mean, they they both will it, um, you know. They both caused it, and of course that makes sense because it's all the they're all the part of the Trinity. But anyways, so he starts out with this idea of the cross, right? God's own Son not being spared, delivered for us. And then what? He, then what is he? Then where does he go with his thinking? He talks about what return of gratitude shall I then make? You know, you have done so much to oblige me to love thee. So then if you meditate on this sacrifice on the cross, it causes this immense sense of gratitude to the point where if you really understand this, if you think of, when you think of Christ, you think of the cross. If you think of Christ, you think of, you know, the culmination of his life being, you know, his willingness to sacrifice himself for us. If you just think of that, and we all know that, you know, that part of, of Christ's life, then what happens? It gives you such gratitude. It obliges you to give your life uh, for him. It obliges you to obey. And so what, you know, comes to me out of that is some context for this passage. If you know Christ, you follow his commandments. And if you don't know him, if you don't follow his commandments, the truth does, you know, you don't have the truth in you. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's it right there. That's yeah. knowing Christ. If you know that sacrifice, you know that love, you know that, you know, unquenchable love, it's all there. That's who Christ is. And all of us can at least know that. And if we all know that, 
yeah, I mean, what's left but to what to obey? Ray, we, you might force us here to change the name of the program to uh, the Bible is a very integrated book. But you know, one thing that I always, I had difficulty with my own self when uh, is a word you were emphasizing, and that is God willed it, right? And and uh, and w- willingly, you know, and and th- that really causes me difficulty. Um, maybe uh, have you you've heard of typology, right? Uh, one thing that helped me understand that better is the sacrifice of Abraham, right? So Abraham was about 114 when God com- asked, he didn't command, when he asked him to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac is a teenager, and they have to climb a mountain. I think it's Moriah, if I'm not mistaken. Right, so what are they going to do? So they're going to climb this mountain. But you think about it. Abraham is an old man. What is he? He's the father, right? Um, He's a father figure. Isaac is a teenager. What do you do when you have a holocaust? You have a burnt offering. So Isaac carried the wood on his shoulders, right? Christ carried the cross. Isaac carried the wood on the shoulders for his own sacrifice. He knew what what was going to happen. He is stronger than a 114-year-old man. He could have overpowered him. But what did he do? He went up there willingly. We know that Isaac was put on the sacrificial altar. He, he could have walked up, walked out, fought his way out any, at any moment. And what does Isaac say? He says, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. So look at this. That is willingness. That that boy had such faith in his father that he willingly went to what appeared to be his death. So the will, right, this free will is bound, as you said, in love. Oh, absolutely. It's, and, you know, as you're, as you're recounting that story from the Bible, another one that I was thinking of was the Annunciation. So here you've got Christ being prophesied through all the Old Testament. The plan of salvation involves the Son of God coming into human form and then sacrificing himself on the cross. And yet, it wouldn't happen unless she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She had to say, you know, she had to say, uh, she had to give her fiat. She had to say, I, I serve. That's amazing. You know, I mean, God can will things, but he wills that we have free will. And he allows things to happen if we agree to serve him. That's right. Yeah. Maybe after the break, we'll come on back and talk about that a little more uh, and maybe have a parallel between what, uh, what, what uh, Mary said and what uh, Elizabeth's husband said. Words sound similar. The meaning and intent was different. So this is Evangelization Moments, our ongoing series, every third Saturday. And we're talking about how we, us ordinary Everyday Catholics are not only called to, but must evangelize and carry out the great command of preach the gospel to the whole world. But we got to prepare ourselves, right? So tell a friend, tell them to tune in and help spread the word. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students. 
recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri, including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, Go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, it sounds like we're back. Uh, this is St. Joseph Evangelization Network. This program is St. Joseph Radio Presents. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're here with Ray Gerard. This is Evangelization Moments, and we're talking about belief as opposed to disobedience, and uh, perhaps how our English language is just a little bit insufficient sometimes to properly understand it. But before we get back to that, and Mary, and the Annunciation, I just want to remind everyone that we will have the Catholic Man of the Year this year again, uh, and nominations are open. Please go to our website at saintjosephradio.net and get an application, or you can call us here at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Look, if you know a good Catholic man who deserves this nomination, please get an application, nominate him. And remember, when you go and tell this good man that you're nominating him, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, oh, I don't want it, I don't want to do it, please don't nominate me. But we need these good men as examples right, as inspirations to others. So please do it. I'll give you the number one more time, 636-447-6000. Please send in a nomination. Yeah, very good. All right. Um, Also, I gave you the phone number, 636-447-6000. You can request a copy of any one of our programs back, uh, I don't know, a long, long time ago, uh, and we will be happy to send you a copy. Or a copy of this program. Well, this one, too. Yeah. This is so good. Yeah. I don't know if people took sufficient notes, but, you know, well, you, you a, can hear it again. Well, Matt's telling us right now that this is a really good program. <laughs> there you go. And I agree with Matt. Yeah, I Matt, would, Matt, I would. My, Matt is my invisible friend today, and Matt seems to be unusual, Very agreeable today. Well, and unusually astute. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, he is spot on. He has not made one mistake. He is... As opposed to the normal Matt. Oh, well, the normal so we, us, right? He's we, keeping I mean, us straight. He's not going to be here. We can make jokes at his That's expense. That's right. That's right. So anyway, so we are talking about... We're cruel. Yeah. We're talking about evangelization moments. And one of the oh, things... I guess I'm cruel. We all are. But one of the things that we're trying to remember is something that Mother Teresa said. If we're going to change the world, if you will... 
we need to change ourselves first. And part of that is really diving into Scripture. Um, little side road, but you had mentioned it. We were started this conversation talking about a particular verse that was giving me trouble. Either I wasn't listening carefully, or perhaps I didn't read it carefully enough, but something wasn't sounding true, so I kept reading it over and over and over. And we alluded to the fact that that, that is one of the ancient Catholic, um, I won't say disciplines, but practices. Sure. Lexio Divina. Sure. Would you share a little bit about what, what that is? Well, it's just meditating on the Word. I mean, to, to be very succinct about it, it's just meditating on the Word of God, to spending some time with the Word of God, to, uh, you know, take uh, a passage, I don't know, take, uh, take a part of uh, Scripture and just go over it piece by piece. Let it sink in. Just, just meditate on it. Just, you know, without any kind of rush, without any hurry, uh, just go over and over again, you know, the particular passage like in your mind. And let, I think, whatever... He wants to come to you. Just let it come. Just, you know, try to have a try to quiet your mind. You know, stop your own thinking and and let something come through. Because uh, we all have you know our own ideas or our own ways of thinking of, of things, but there are truths in uh, in in the Bible, and we consider them hidden simply because we hide them from ourselves often enough. But if you open yourself up, you know, if you uh, you know you pray first, you got to put you know put yourself in a state of grace. And then meditate on on the word. You'd be amazed, you know, right. at uh, at what you can experience. Yeah, absolutely. You so well said. Um, and in the end, uh, you, uh, you have to let God speak to you. I'm a good guy for talking, and if if I can't listen very well unless I shut up a little bit. So you you get quiet. You pray. You meditate. You contemplate. I, I add a, a fifth one in there. I actually write something about what what uh, has come to me. And I'll tell you what. At the end, I'm thinking, well, I never came up with this. I mean, it's just oh, a matter yeah. of oh, yeah. sitting quietly and let God. Uh, my wife says this sometimes. She says, let go and let God. Sure. So we actually have two programs on uh, Lexio Divina. Uh, I think they're both pretty good. And it walks you through how. They're better it's than done. pretty good. Uh, and Matt yeah. would agree with me. Uh, Matt has agreed with you again. Yes, yes, yes. So one of the things we were talking about is also how do we change ourselves? We dive into Scripture a little bit, right? Uh, we have to learn Scripture. You mentioned, well, we talked about Strong's words. Strong's words are uh, particular words in Greek in the Bible that have been identified with individual and unique words. Um, one of the things that I think we all ought to consider and understand is that why do we go to, to the Septuagint, right? For one, and this is in, undisputable, indisputed, whether you're a Catholic, non-Catholic, anti-Catholic, our Lord quoted Scripture often. I don't remember the exact number of times. I want to say it was 163, more or less. All but a handful of those are directly from, and without a doubt, incontroversially from, the Septuagint. So look, if that's what Christ quoted from, well, I guess maybe that's where we should look too. When you say Christ quoted from the Septuagint, uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I thought wasn't wasn't I thought that translation was done after Christ. Nope. 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 And to dive into it a little bit further, the Septuagint was rejected by the. Uh, Jewish leaders about 105. That was this. Um, you have the Sadducees um, because it was not 
in conformity with their belief. In, in other words, during the time of Christ, you had Jews living all over the world, all over the known world. And they spoke all kinds of different languages, but one of the scholarly languages, the common languages, was Greek. The Septuagint was written in Greek. And, uh, and, and that's, where, that's what the common Jew would have read. They would read Hebrew as well, but Greek is the common one. So when, <clears throat> when our Lord rose from the dead, guess what? A lot of people started converting. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you had the Essenes, you, you, uh, the scribes as a subsect. But one of the things that were unique to the or distinctive between, say, Sadducees, Essenes, as opposed to Sadducees, is the Essenes and Pharisees, let's confine it to them for a moment, they believed in the resurrection of the body. The Sadducees did not. The Sadducees did not. So when you, uh, so when you got to 105, who was left in the Jewish community where one of the Pharisees and the Essenes, they're Catholic, for goodness sakes, it's the Sadducees. Remember, the temple had been torn down in 70. They're, a, they're just a remnant. They wanted to distinguish themselves between those cr that crazy Jewish sect that is now being called Catholic and the Jews. So what they did is they dismissed the Septuagint from a theological standpoint mm -hmm. because of the life after death. And guess who did the same thing? Luther. Luther did the same thing for theological purposes. But anyway, that, that's part of what we're saying. We need to know our faith. We need to know Scripture if we're going to be able to evangelize. And, uh, and you need to obey. We need to have the virtue of obedience, you know. Um, I mentioned before that I happen to have with me a concordance of uh, the diary of St. Faustina. And so when I looked up in the, um, the diary, and when I looked up in the concordance for... Um, for obedience, when I looked that up, page after page after page of oh, references in the diary yeah. about obedience. And, of course, the diary is a series of um, revelations that uh, that this saint had. Um, elocutions. Yeah. Yeah, private, private elocutions. Yeah, encounters that she had with, with Christ where yeah. Christ was, was speaking to her. Yeah. And uh, there's one passage. It's number 354 in the, in the diary. And she says, as I was talking to a certain person who was uh, uh, to paint the image, of course, the image being the image of divine mercy that you see so many places nowadays, especially on Divine Mercy Sunday. But anyways, as I was talking to a certain per person who was to paint the image, but for certain reasons was not painting it, I heard this voice in my soul. I want her to be more obedient. I understood that our efforts, no matter how great, are not pleasing to God, if they do not bear the seal of obedience. I am speaking about a religious soul. Oh God, how easy it is to know your will in the convent. We religious have God's will said clearly before our eyes from morning till night. And in moments of uncertainty, we have our superiors through whom God speaks. So that's the experience of, of a religious. What about for people out in the world? Yeah. I think what she's saying is it's, very, it's, it's, it's so much harder for people out in the world to just live by this idea of obedience. You mentioned, you mentioned Luther. And uh, because of Martin Luther, so many people now think, well, you know, I can, I can decide what's right. I can do what, what I want to do because I can interpret the Bible the way I interpret the Bible and so on and so forth. But, you know, we got to be really careful about that because, 
you know, for example, you know, here she hears this, this message in her soul. I want her to be more obedient. I want her to stop delaying to get to get to the you know get to down to the work of, of painting the image. I want her to obey the will of God. There is something special. There is something of you know um, uh, something supernatural. I mean, there, there, there's something that joins us to the supernatural if we obey the will of God. You know, we were talking before about. You know, if we don't just believe, but we live our life in that fashion, if we live according to the will of God, then, you know, we're, we're connecting ourselves to him. We're perfecting his love. This is what, this is what Francine is talking about. Uh, I mean, can you imagine that? Let's get this straight. So Jesus is actually talking to Faustina and says, yeah. I want her to be, I want this other person who's not painting this image to be more obedient. I mean, good Night. I mean, good Lord. Do you think? I guess all of us should ask that question. Does God? Does Jesus maybe have any of those feelings about any of us and how we've lived certain times in our lives? Could it be that Jesus has ever said about us, "I want you to be more obedient"? If we were face to face with Jesus, or at least within hearing distance, and could hear Him say that about us, would it not break your heart? Would it not want you? to do anything in order to please him, just to, to be more obedient. I mean, that's just, you can, you know, you can believe that this diary um, accurately, accurately and truthfully, you know, uh, portrays uh, experiences, real experiences that you have with Christ. Maybe you don't. Um, but uh, just imagine that. And so I guess the, the point I'm going to make here is whether you do or whether you don't, believe that that's an actual encounter she had with Christ. It doesn't matter. Just think for a moment about this idea. What if God ever said about you, I want you to be more obedient? Yeah. I'll tell you, a a story comes to mind. I think you're spot on. And you think, well, what did did they talk? Is our our Lord talking to you and me, as you see? Or he was saying to uh, Faustina, Saint Faustina, who's our saint for goodness sake, and he's you know supposed to, and this painter is supposed to be more obedient. But it reminds me of a story of a of a cardinal archbishop who was in Rome, and he was going over to the Vatican, and uh, one of the uh, the papal guards, who's the, what are they called? I, the, the, yeah, I forget. Yeah, yeah I forget the what they're called. Or... The Swiss guards. Yeah, stops him and questions him and finds out who he is, and he and he's really getting a little. Uh, upset. He said, do you see my zucchetta? It's red. I'm not, I'm an archbishop. I'm a cardinal archbishop. What do you mean questioning who I am? I am here to see the Pope. You step aside, you know, really getting ticked off. Meanwhile, there's this, there's this grubby looking monk who's just walking past every one of the uh, one of the guards. Every single one's just walking up. You know, he has a hood over, thread-borne cassock, he says, what, what are you doing here? Look at that guy. He's just walking in, and you're giving me all this grief. Who is he? And the Swiss guard said, that's the Pope's, <laughs> that's the Pope's confessor. <laughs> the Pope is going to confession every week. Yeah. So why in the world is the Pope going to confession? You know, God's asking him to be more obedient. How could that possibly be? 
How could the Pope continue to find sin? Uh, and, and this monk gave me, uh, who was also wearing a very thread-borne cassock, gave me the perfect analogy. He said, have you ever been to New York? Yeah. Have you ever been in New Jersey and you're looking over at those buildings or you're flying into New York and you can see these buildings. They look big, but you could, you could put them in your fingers, right? You can put the, the index finger at the top of the building and your thumb at the bottom and you see them. They're massive and impressive, but you could see them from a distance, and, but they look like something you could hold in your hand. Then you get to New York and you walk up to that World Trade Center, that Freedom Tower, and you stand in front of it and you're just dwarfed by it. It's so massive. And he says, that's what getting closer to God is like. You see your own sin so much more clearly the closer you get to God in faith. That's why the Pope goes to confession, because he has continued to get closer to God. That's why you and I may see our own sin more clearly the closer we get. It sounds like a conundrum there, but the uh, or an uh, um, um, an opposite, but the closer we get to God, the more clearly we see where we need to be more obedient. Yeah, and often enough, you know, we don't see uh, close up. I mean, obedience is hard work. Yeah. Um, the biggest, um, uh, do we have to take a break? We're going to do it real quickly. This is St. Joseph uh, Radio Presents coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. This is live. We're here with Ray Gerard. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. Our invisible friend is Matt Lagerman, who has been brilliant today. We're giving, I him, might too say. Much, we're giving him too much play today, I know, airplay today. I know I mean, we are. His, his name is being mentioned the, way more than mine. He is really going to give us grief when we see him. Anyway, so, and you were saying. So, this obedience stuff is hard work. If you oh. think, if you think oh, yeah. about if you think about the thing that we need to be obedient about the most, what is it? You know, uh, love my people, right? How hard is that? How many times are we not willing to forgive somebody? Um, you know, how many? T- it can be really hard to do. Anyways, uh, one of the sto- you told the story. There's a story that I love that that is my fa- one of my favorite stories about Saint Padre Pio. Oh. so. You know, here's a man, if you think is close to God, who maybe, you know, sees, sees him from the foot of the skyscraper. I mean, here's a guy who's had this intimate relationship with God, the stigmata for 50 years, and that just doesn't happen to somebody. Anyways, um, sometime after he had, had received this stigmata, um, rumors, uh, and this was still pretty early in his life, but anyways, rumors started to spread about him. And um, as, as often is the case, um, people will get jealous. You know, if you think, wow, this person's got a stigmata, you know, he's being favored by God, perhaps if that's how it's being looked at. Maybe they thought he was a faker. Yeah, and so you get jealous, and then you spread rumors. And uh, so these rumors uh, circulated their way up to Rome, and uh, it was it was thought that Padre Pio was trying to... Um, you know, build a congregation of himself, build a bunch of people, a bunch of acolytes, a bunch of people who, you know, wanted to perhaps in some sense, you know, worship him, that this was, this was unholy and this, you know, this was self-serving and that, uh, you know, that Padre Pio had to be taught a lesson. And so they thought, well, the best way we can do um, to, to fix this is to take him away from the territory in which all these people, you know, are following him. Uh, to put him with a whole bunch of people who didn't know him that well, and that this would, you know, this would take care of that whole problem. So, anyways, they sent somebody from Rome down to his monastery, San Giovanni Rotondo, uh, in, in southern Italy, and uh, so they sent an emissary down, 
And this person was charged with telling, uh, giving an order to Padre Pio that he was being relocated, you know, to some other monastery, perhaps. Anyways, this person arrives at the monastery at midnight. And he announces uh, to whoever received him why he was there and what his mission was. So this person then called Padre Pio, or sent for Padre Pio. Um, and so Padre Pio comes, and again, this is late at night. And so this messenger explains why he's there. And if Padre Pio was somebody who was trying to serve his own ego, was trying to you know, build up a following of his own, uh, how would he have responded? Well, he would have resisted, right? Mm-hmm. Well, instead, or complained or something. Instead, Padre Pio says, fine, let's go. And so he's, <laughs> the messenger's a little incredulous, and he says, well, you don't mean now. And Pio says, right now. If this is what the Holy Father wants, then we do it now. And this messenger said, immediately I understood that everything I heard about this guy as being somebody who was more interested in his own ego than anything else was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. He was willing to serve. And even if maybe he didn't agree with an order that came down from somebody, it was a higher authority. God had put this person, uh, what's, I mean, there's another passage, maybe you can quote it to me, there's another passage from Paul where he talks about, you know, being, you know, obeying, uh, obeying your masters, servants, obey your masters, mm-hmm. and do it f- not because of, you know, your master's saying something, but do it out of the love of God. That's the important thing. And when you do obey, you are perfecting the love of God in you because you are evangelizing, you are showing other people that, you're acting out of love for God. You obeying an authority that God is put in some position of authority, even if they're wrong, even right. if they could be wrong. That's true humil- humility. Because that's true belief, and that's true obedience. It's true obedience, and you do it because you have the love of God, and that's why Pio did it, and that's what impressed this person. You know? yeah. And that's what can impress you, too, and impress other people around you, too, if you were to obey. I mean, a lot of times we hear a lot of people criticizing our church. Yeah. They'll talk they'll talk about a certain bishop or some certain authority in the church. That guy's wrong, that guy's this, that guy's that. You know, and what does that do? What is the effect of that? Certainly we can discuss ideas. And Cer- should. Certainly we can discuss uh, actions that the church takes whether they're right, whether they're wrong. But do we not always need to do it with respect for the people that are making these decisions? with love for them, with respect for the church, uh, with a gentleness and a kindness, um, and, and respecting their authority because we would have this attitude of obedience, because we have this attitude of humility, because we have this love of God. You remind me of two sources. You said gentleness uh, and obedience. It reminds me of First Peter 3.15, always have a reason for the sure hope that is in you, uh, and do it with gentleness and kindness, always with gentleness and kindness. You, you know, we're talking about obedience as a action, right? And we've mentioned a lot of verses that are so congruous that they're, they're actions. It isn't belief once and done. It's actions throughout your life. And my favorite verse is this uh, with regard to that. It's First Timothy 4. I believe that Paul is in prison at the time, and I think he's looking forward to his execution. And what does he say? He says, I am 
already being poured out like a, a it says Liba in this, it says libation oh. like a drink offering like a okay. libation and the time for my departure is near i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness now what does that say i was obedient i was obedient i was obedient i was obedient and he also said look at the words he used the race the fight i fought it's hard it's hard it's it hard it is hard but that is clearly what we are being called to do we are we are being called to believe but we are called to put that belief into action it isn't just a passive belief it's an active participation in that belief that's obedience and why is it hard why is it hard it, <laughs> concupiscence it, uh, pride well uh, i mean it's hard because we have our own ideas about the way things should be or what we should do and when you're obedient you put that aside and that's you know you have to sacrifice that you have to um you know just just go against what you what you want you know we were talking earlier about these passages from the bible you know we don't understand them and we need to think about them more and i mean you know it's putting aside what we think and being open to what's in there because sometimes you know what uh well anyways i, I hear the music and I guess the music hey with the last half a minute that we have left ray i'm just going to challenge people to look uh, i don't know about you i got a shot i got my next shot coming up it looks like we're coming to the end of this maybe the Maybe we'll have a grand reopening to the church. But when what I used to do when I was at Mass, and I, I, I sometimes do it now, but I see everybody I know at Mass, but I would go to somebody who I didn't know, and I would say, thanks for sharing Mass with me. Somebody I didn't know, that was the, that was the deal. I, I challenge people to do that now as we are sort of reopening the church shortly. But do it a little bit differently. Go to a friend and welcome them and invite them to come to Mass. We need to be coming back. And we don't do things unless we're invited. We are. This is Evangelization Moments. Here's another way that we might do it. Please tell your friends about this program and this radio station and pass the word to all, one and all, to come and share the good news with us. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.